Welcome back, everybody, to the Star Wars Podcast, where we talk all things Marvel, Star Wars, and everything in between. Please take a moment to check our show notes to find our social media merch and more. Today, we are recapping the Marvels. It's here, everybody. Um, we're going to have full spoiler details, so if you haven't seen the movie, um, go see it. It was fun. Um, but today, I'm here with uh, two awesome people. You know, luckily, they do. Uh, they are bilingual, but they do communicate in singing as well. It is our good friends from the Sisters Assembled podcast, Katie and Taylor. How's it going, guys? Hello. Hey, good. So excited to be here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is uh this is gonna be a fun one, I think. Um, you know, I, I I had said before coming into the Marvels that like this is exactly what I need for Marvel at this point. I, I feel like oftentimes when they're trying to take themselves too seriously, it doesn't land as well. I'm like, just give me the goofs and the gaffs and I'm here for it. So I'm super excited to talk about this with you guys. But um y'all are new to the Stark Wars universe, so I want to give you guys the opportunity to kind of introduce yourselves and tell them what Sisters Sisters Assembled is. Sure. Um, so I'm Taylor, one of the co-hosts of Sisters Assembled. We started our show off in a completely different name. You may or may not have heard of us as Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories. Then earlier this year, we switched to Sisters Assembled because, spoiler alert, we're actually biological sisters. I was literally almost in the delivery room when that one came into the world. So <laughs> Sisters Assembled it is. And we talk all things Marvel, um, the shows, the TV shows, or the movies, and all that stuff, and, and lots of research as well. So that's pretty much who we are. Yeah, I mean, Taylor did a great intro of the show. I'll just say, hi, I'm Katie. Uh, if you guys are more into the reading side of our podcast, we do have the blogs. I'm the one who writes those, and you can usually tell by the sass and attitude that go into <laughs> those. So yeah, that we've been having a great time doing this, and we're really happy to be on this podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, this is going to be fun. Um, well, Katie, I'll throw it to you first. I, I want to get like some general thoughts up front here. What were kind of like your expectations and did it live up to them? And did you enjoy this movie? So I'll start with my expectations were pretty low, not in a bad way, just because I was really not into the first Captain Marvel movie, not for any bad reasons. Uh, just wasn't my cup of tea. I really wasn't into the character too much. So uh, my expectations were lower just because I wasn't sure what to expect, especially with the team up. But I mean, the movie blew me away. I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there. I went to a very early showing. So there were about seven of us in there. And I was just laughing my butt off. I loved this movie. I didn't expect it to be so great. And it was. So I really, really enjoyed it. Taylor, are you on the, the, the same path there? Yeah, very much. Not a huge Captain Marvel fan going into it. Loved Kamala Khan. So that was definitely like increasing my excitement for the film. Um, but Definitely blew away all my expectations. I thought it was absolutely fantastic and honestly one of the best films to come out this year. So really, really good. Well, good. I'm glad that you guys had a good time with this. Um, I feel like there has been a lot of like toxicity in the Marvel fandom a little bit and like a lot of like a feeling of impending doom where like, you know, there are decisions that are made and everyone is just like, oh, the MCU is over. Um, so it's nice to just come in. And I'll agree. Uh, I really like Kamala Khan. She was the one I was the most excited to see in this movie. I think she rocked it. And by extension, I think she made me like Carol Danvers more uh, yep. because she was like so hyped to be with Carol. I was like, OK, me too. Like I'm on board. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I I, uh, I also I, I enjoyed the movie. I think I, I, I might be the lowest on it out of the three. But um like the core, the heart of this movie, it, it was so good. Um, I, I think my biggest issues um, come with our villain a little bit. I just felt like some of that stuff was very rushed. Um, and I just, I, wa I wanted more. And, you know, I say this all the time on our podcast, but like, 
if I'm walked if I walk away with the feeling of wanting more, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So um, yeah, it's an interesting take because I know when we were doing our live reactions, uh, we actually really enjoyed Darben. Uh, not for the sake of you know, I'm sure. I want to watch the movie again. I think there's just so much that happened, but I think just across the board, we said she was actually to us pretty close to that Killmonger Gore, the God butcher sort of tier, just a little below it. Cause you still didn't love her. Like you weren't sitting there understanding her fully, but you got where she was coming from, but she still was very villainy. You felt that she was a villain. You didn't want her to win. Um, otherwise you feel like, you know, Gore or Killmonger, you kind of root for them after a while. You're like, you know, I get it. I see what you're doing. Um, didn't feel that way with Darben, but you do feel that empathetic kind of feeling towards her. So I thought she was, well, a good, oh, Taylor always feels in this word for me and I can't think of it right now, <laughs> but I think she was, you know, compared to Captain Marvel, they were two good bookends to each other. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, it's cool because she had like a noble goal, right? Like, I think there's always like that one thing that separates a villain from a hero, right? And I think for Dar Ben, the goal, very noble. Like if she had gone about it differently, she would have been the hero of that story, right? The savior of Hala. But instead, by taking the resources from other people and in essence, killing or trying to kill their planet, she's the villain. So I think that's what makes her a little more compelling in my book than say a whiplash from Iron Man 2, who's just, you know, born out of, revenge or something stupid some old grudge he had from like 50 years before like that's dumb and like not compelling at all but at least this villain she wanted to help her people and you do almost root for her a little bit because you see the suffering that's happening on Hala. you see that scene where she tells everyone to take off their face masks and i think that's really interesting but then when you see how she goes about it and how she's stealing the resources you're like all right i can't fully get behind this but i don't also hate your guts so that's you know a step up uh, yeah, that was really well said by both of you. And uh, like, I'm definitely looking at it in a way that I didn't necessarily consider. Um, so yeah, Darben, I'm I'm here for it. I, I think I think my big thing was, and you know, it, it felt I felt like maybe we just needed to puzzle piece her reasonings a little bit more because I think uh, in the very beginning, like we're kind of thrown into it. She finds the bangle, and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm along for the ride though. And then we do we do end up finding some of that stuff out as we go along. So. Um, yeah, you know, and also to say, like, um, uh, I think it, I think it, the biggest issue for Darbin is the fact that she's surrounded by some of like my favorite characters too. So, um, uh, I want to ask you guys about, um, so like kind of the main crutch of this story, um, as we, we were kind of hinted at at the end of the Miss Marvel or post credit scene of Miss Marvel, where it seems that we have this swapping that's going on. And I'll be honest, I was like, I don't know how this works. Like it doesn't like, like watching the trailers, watching that. I was like, this is really dumb. And I don't get like, but I think they explained it really well and seeing them like kind of practice and like hone that ability was really, really cool. Um, I, I think it's always awesome when you have, uh, you know, two superheroes that can work in tandem like that. So we got three. Um, uh, Taylor, what did you think about uh, the, the swapping they had going on? I loved it. I, th I mean, I don't fully still understand the concept behind it. It's a little bit above my like physics pay grade, but I liked the way that they were able to use it not only to show 
their collaboration between one another, which I thought was awesome and to like build that team camaraderie. But that whole like training sequence is one of my favorite scenes of all time. I think it's so fun and it's so well done and just fits the tone of the film so well. And like you said earlier, like some of those, the lack of levity lately, I think has been, you know, you miss that. And I think this was a perfect example of having that levity, but not in a stupid, cheesy, dumb way in a way that, you know, propelled the the plot of the film forward. You needed to see them practice together in order for them to fight effectively. So it was necessary, but it was also just really entertaining and really fun. So I liked it and I thought it was, it made a lot of sense for why these three characters were together. Because, you know, something that we talked about is you can have these team ups and they're really forced and they just don't make sense. But the way that they explained it and the way that they used their, you know, light based powers as like one common denominator between the three to bring these three together, I thought was really, really smart. Yeah, Katie, what about you? Uh... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm like digesting Taylor because she's saying a lot of good points there. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say I agree, though, going into it, I wasn't sure what to expect, and I was worried that they were using it as the excuse to bring them together, almost to marry both of your thoughts into one. That was my fear, where I was like, I see where they're going with this, but is it, is it going to work? And quite frankly, that first... I don't know, it was probably maybe five minutes of the film when they're first figuring out that they're switching with each other and it's just pure chaos. I mean, you have Kamala up in space all of a sudden and they're fighting the Kree and then there's Kree soldiers down in Kamala's house and her family stole the show from me and they're hilarious. And just that entire sequence had me so hooked into that movie because I'm laughing my butt off. I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. So I just thought it became such an important part of the movie in a way that obviously it was going to, it was the main point of it all, but it just, it, it brings you in and it helps you introduce your, you to the rest of the story. And so when they brought in some of the deeper aspects, you were like, okay, but we started with this power switching and, and it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I thought, I mean, some of the, I think th this movie had some of the, like, the best fight choreography that we've seen from the MCU in a while. Um, I think oh, a yeah. lot of times it can feel like a little stale, but you throw in this, like, twist in it, and it works really well. I think what, another thing that works really well about um, this power that they have, um, um, comparatively to Loki, and I've been giving Loki a lot of shade for this, but I feel like sometimes in that show, they don't really care about explaining Hi, like, because here's the thing: none of this stuff makes sense. The loom doesn't make sense. Power swapping doesn't make sense. It's all dumb science fiction stuff, right? Um, but the difference between what Loki did and and what uh, the Marvels did, the Marvels gave us rules. They gave us structure. We understood how it worked. We understood why it wouldn't. We under like we knew all of the capabilities of this thing that's not real. Um, and then you go to the Loki side of everything, and they're like quantum extractors. And I'm like, that's not anything. It's just you're putting words together. Uh, <laughs> So no, I, I, I um, as as skeptical as I was, I thought this really worked. I agree, yeah, I and agree. I definitely, and I, I think. Oh, go ahead, T. I was just gonna say I love the comparison to Loki because that is the same arguments that we've been having. The frustration. I mean, what even is the loom? So yes, agreed. In comparison to the two, like when you put them side by side, and knowing they came out the same night, you can really, really do it now. It really just the explanations on Loki, then you compare Loki to season one. You're like, Oh, so we threw all the season one rules out the window. That's cool too. Like, yeah, I loved rules and sticking to them. I am the rule person in our show and I am a stickler for a good rule book. And this one had it. So it was checking my boxes. Well, and honestly, my favorite thing was 
they didn't shy away from still explaining it scientifically. They had Monica sit there and show that she's a genius, first off, and she is where she's at for a reason. And she's sitting there telling us, I'm not going to pretend to say what she said, but all sorts of sciencey words and everything. And then, you know, Kamala and even Carol are like, okay, I don't know what you just said. And they dumbed it down for them on screen, but for us as the audience. And so we all understood it, but it flowed so well. It, it was great. And I, I enjoy a good explanation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing that I love so much about uh, Spider-Verse, those movies. I felt like, you know, again, like, um, Taylor, if I had to venture to guess, and I, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I have a feeling you might have a problem with the multiverse a little bit if you're a rules person, because I'm a rules person, too. And I'm very sensitive about the multiverse. Um, and, you know, Spider-Verse is always my example of, like, this is how it should be done. <laughs> I'm living in my own personal hell and have been since the end of Endgame. So, yeah, <laughs> I feel <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Uh, okay, so why don't we just like uh, kind of touch on some of these characters, um, especially our main three here. And I want to start with Kamala because, I mean, she was my favorite in the movie. Um, but also, like, there's so much great stuff surrounding her from her family to like, and again, like, it, it was just like, uh, <laughs> I found it so funny, like, just seeing her mom on Saber, like, walking with her purse, like, <laughs> Like it's so like ridiculous, but also perfect, and and also the fact that we've we've lived with these characters before with Miss Marvel, I felt a connection to them. Um, so they were really great. Kamala Khan. Let me ask, like, let me put it like this: I I, I need to see her training routine because she was literally like one of the most badass uh, uh, fighters in this movie, and I was like, yeah, we saw a little bit of that in Miss Marvel, but like she was like whipping around people, like doing the the whole Black Widow thing. So uh, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. Whoever wants to talk about Kamala can. Yeah, oh, I'll go, go first because she's my girl. girl. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, first thing I want to point out with Kamala, because you mentioned her training routine, for sure, like there is a huge upgrade in her abilities between her show and this movie. One, I mean, you actually see at the end of her show that this is happening. So there's not a lot of time. So it's like definitely very interesting that she was able to do that. But I think the most important thing to point out there is this girl held two quantum bands in her arms at once didn't bat an eyelash while it literally took out a Cree accuser and ripped her to shreds. So let's not forget that because I think it's going to be important moving forward when we talk about Kamala Khan, because not only is she funny and a bright light and the best, but she's also a baddie who will take you out. So I just want to point that out. Don't underestimate Kamala Khan. Yeah, she, she's something else. And I mean, I have said she stole the show. I mean, just, I, we really enjoyed her because for, even in her show, we said she pretty much embodied us if we ever got superpowers. That was just how we would act. But I mean, she was not only hilarious, but I thought she had a really good character arc as well. Kind of learning that there is a, and there were moments in her show as well, but there's really a downside to being a hero. And she saw her hero, the one she loved so much, make choices I think she didn't agree with. And that was definitely something that I think we saw force her to mature in those moments to be like, oh, this isn't, you know, all sunshine and rainbows, what's happening. You know, the scrolls are being almost sucked right out of their like world. And all of these things are really serious things that slapped her in the face very quickly. And it, it was a really interesting way to take her character through this movie. And it's also always interesting when you have three protagonists, because I think, you know, you have to tell three different growth stories and hers was done really well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and that's a good point. I think that's one thing that, um, you know, I have to remind myself is that it, 
by design and the good thing is we know these characters we we've been set up with them before so like we are able to jump in with those emotions a little bit more but um it is like they did have to juggle a lot here and they did have to give us three separate arcs and for uh you know they, i think they stuck the landing in that respect like mike again i i mean i'll say it over and over again my complaints will never come down to these three like like just um i, I really really enjoyed it and um let's move on to captain marvel because um i love like i've i've kind of been on the same page with captain marvel where i'm just like well number one i've always thought she was like way too op so i'm like they need to kill uh her or nothing will ever make sense again um <laughs> yeah. but, but uh I, I really did enjoy her in this movie um i don't know who wants to talk about we'll go to katie first this time uh, what do you think of her in this movie i i think this is why i really finally liked her because she seemed human and i think in that first movie she and obviously that's the whole point she's pretty much a soldier she's very you know one note i think and that's how she was meant to be played but it didn't open the character up to us versus this time not only do we see her just being much more human around kamala and monica but we have the backstory between her and monica that she's battling we have i guess working in tandem with that the backstory of what happened on hala and how that is why she couldn't face monica and go back to her so i think you finally see her as a real person and not to your point, somebody who's very overpowered, who's out there just saving the universe. I mean, my favorite question that I always put out to Taylor is, if it was, you know, anything going on, where's Captain Marvel? Because she's supposed to be protecting the universe. To me, she should be everywhere, in my opinion. So I think, you know, I finally felt like I liked this character as a character and not just as somebody who's there, shows up, does her thing, blows up Thanos' ship, and then she's done. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot more humanity to Carol in this film. There's, you know, you see her make mistakes. You see her feel shame. You see, I really love her interaction with Monica when they finally address kind of the elephant in the room. And she says, you know, why don't, Monica asks, you know, why didn't you come back? And Carol says, well, somebody always need needed me. And Monica's reaction was, well, so did we. And you could see Carol starting to understand that it's not just Captain Marvel that people need, but also Carol Danvers and that her family needed Carol. And so she's kind of almost getting back in touch with, and that kind of goes back to her whole trying to figure out her memories thing and find all of those from, you know, pre her time on Hulla. But like, she's really trying to figure out who is Carol Danvers. And that connection with Monica, I think is really important so that she can learn to more seamlessly transition between her alter ego and her human self um, and not just be Captain Marvel all of the time. Yeah, I, um, I think you both said it great. I, I think the biggest point, uh, and you both touched on it, um, that, I, that I'm going to walk away with this, and the reason why I think uh, I, I really have a turn on her is the fact that she's flawed. Uh, I, I feel like this is the most flawed we've ever seen her. I feel like, you know, like, I just have that image stuck in my mind of, you know, at the end of Endgame when she comes in and just destroys everything. And, like, yeah. she was always just, like, this perfect symbol and, like, can do no wrong. But, like, the entire plot of this movie, the villain, all the motivations are surrounded by something that she was probably too reactionary for, Um and didn't really consider like the outcomes and also the biggest point and i something that makes me really excited to see captain marvel again and how this will affect her is she lost she feels like she lost by the end of this she couldn't save monica and like that's a big thing to like leave like it was it's actually really dark a dark place for her to be so yeah yeah i'm definitely excited to see her again after that for sure mm. 
Okay, well, um, let's talk about um, Monica Rambeau here a little bit. I wanted to call her Spectrum. Actually, I, I my memory is horrible. Did they actually end up deciding a name? I can't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. No, but they, they said never Spectrum. actually did. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, they did. I heard that one. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, well, they just said it. Like, why wouldn't they just settle then? Maybe they're maybe they're gonna take a left turn next time. She's gonna have a different name. I don't know. But um, yeah, Monica's another one that like I loved her in Wandavision. I think uh, you know, just uh, you know, one of the really bright spots of that uh, television show. So um, I was really excited to see her here. And another thing, kind of like uh, uh, Captain Marvel, I think the one thing that really worked for her character was a lot of her reluctance in doing some of this stuff. Um, like, I, if if she wasn't being forced into this situation, she wouldn't be in this situation right like we start where she doesn't even want to like face captain marvel so um yeah uh, uh taylor let's go to you now uh monica rambo how'd she do ah monica was great i mean i loved to and katie touched on this earlier her ability to kind of be the brains but also be you know such a well-rounded character like she was the person who was explaining everything and i think that's always really important to have someone who actually knows what's going on because i mean both carol and Kamala, great people, but kind of like go first, think later. I mean, we saw that with Hala. Kamala's very, you know, she's a young kid. She's not really thinking about that type of stuff. But to have Monica kind of be that counterbalance of being like, actually, if we do this, you will blow up this. Or like the one who's understanding like, hi, this is a hole in space time. And like someone has to go figure this out. So I loved that aspect of her and like really playing up just how brilliant she is. But also, you know, that relationship between her and Carol and exploring that more deeply, I think, is really, really important that they left that in. It was something that we got seeded a little bit in WandaVision where she makes a, a comment about, you know, not really loving Captain Marvel. And that's the first time you realize, like, hey, something's wrong here because the last time we saw you, granted, you were nine. But the last time we saw you, like, you thought that woman hung the stars. So, like, what's going on here? And I love that they really explored that. Um, I also thought it was really interesting to see it then from Carol's perspective when we were seeing her memories and things like that. So from a Monica, you know, point of view, I thought she was a fantastic character. She gave Carol hu her humanity. And I'm also really excited to see where Monica goes next because, I mean, she opens up so many doors in the future. And so I am very, very much looking forward to Monica Rambeau coming down the line. I don't want to jump to the end too much, but I will I'll just, you know, because you, you make a good point there. Um, I, I want to, and this is my hope for her. I want her to be what Ant-Man was to uh, Infinity War and Endgame, uh, where he was kind of the, you know, it's the joke is the rat brought Ant-Man back, which saved everybody. So really the rat was the hero, but we can say <laughs> that Ant-Man had a big part in it. And I suspect, you know, if this is the multiverse saga, um, Spectrum is going to be the linchpin of all of that. So uh, I'm, I am also very excited. Yeah. I'm excited that it's a new character that we haven't already followed into phase four with. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love all the old characters that are still here for phase four and everything, but I'm, I'm really excited that if it is Monica, and I think it will be because of that ending, of course, I think that's amazing to kind of put this character on the map at the very beginning of phase four. And she might be the one that brings us all into really the big part of the next few or next phase and a half. And honestly, even in this movie, she was great. I, everything Taylor said, I'm 100 behind, 100% behind it because she really was absolutely amazing. I will say on a surface level, I think she got the brunt of being the third protagonist a little bit as far as character growth. I think there was some 
But I definitely think the focus actually remained more on Kamala and Captain Marvel. Just in my opinion, maybe that's just how I was seeing it. But when I walk out of the theaters, I can talk about Carol and Kamala's character growth. And I feel like I can't quite as well articulate Monica's. But I think regardless, she did a great part in the movie. And I think I want to see more of her. And maybe some of that's because Kamala got her own show. So did Carol. She got her own movie. And Monica has still yet to have her own property. And maybe that was just some of it as well. We didn't have the same foundation. But I think she's going to be amazing. And I like that you're saying you think she could be that person to bring in the next bit of all this. I would love that. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I, I really I, I appreciate this character. And also, I, I feel like the if there is like some lack of growth, I feel like that is a good sign for her overall overall character arc uh, across multiple movies. So because she does like even by the end, like we said, she still doesn't have a name. She's not, still not 100 percent committed to being a superhero, but she's right. just like she was thrown into the situation with uh, Captain Marvel and Kamala Khan. Here she is now at the end of the movie in a completely different universe. And she's going to be put in a situation where she has to be the hero again. And I think that that's really cool. And, you know, I, she may never want to be a superhero. And she's just like, you know, burdened with this uh, life of saving people, I guess. <laughs> Her own glorious purpose. Yes. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a couple other things that I kind of just want to touch on that, um, Let's talk about Goose and all the Gooselets. Um, <laughs> this was so wild. I thought, um, you know, I definitely didn't see it going this way um, with like them being like the reason they were able to save everybody on Saber. Um, and also, uh, like, I, I want to use the opportunity to talk about um, Nick Fury, which, you know, it's just so weird coming out of Secret Invasion. Like, I feel like we're dealing with a different character at this point, but I didn't, he was having so much fun. So I was having fun with him. What do you guys think of uh, uh, these two characters? So I love Nick Fury. And I actually think I said this to Taylor in the sense of, I don't think we get to see silly Nick Fury, except when he's around Carol and Phil Coulson. Those are the two characters I think we've got the chance to see him be just like fun. He always has those one-liners that just make you chuckle, but he's always dead serious when he says them. Versus even in the first Captain Marvel, he... And they de-aged him beautifully in that. I thought that was so well done in that movie. But he had me cracking up because he was the comedic relief in that movie. So I thought he was awesome. And it was a little bit of whiplash, yeah, from Secret Invasion being so serious, dark, just how Nick was. It looked like he was ready to retire. And then now he's out here with about 30 cats that eat people, but also spit them back out. And it was a weird part of the movie, but I was on board with it. Goose was great. I mean, Goose is always great, but now Goose has a lot of children that, you know, save the day too. And it was just quite the development, but I really enjoyed it. I loved the quirky beats of this film that I wasn't expecting. Like, I didn't know how I felt about the singing planet too, but then I was also like, but it fits like it's perfect. It's kind of like the perfect middle ground between like the first Captain Marvel film and the Guardians franchise where it's like kind of wonky and you really don't know what to expect. Oh, and sprinkle in a little Thor Ragnarok there. Like all of the best parts of like those three films, I feel like they all kind of work together to create those really strange like, cool, let's have a bunch of cats eat people and also like they have to sing everything, which was so cringy, but like not in a horrible way. I just really enjoyed the cringe. And I was like, I don't know why I like this because I am not a musical person, but I enjoy this and I'm a fan of it. 
Yeah, it, it kind of gives me, you know, uh, speaking of multiverses and whatnot, I don't, if you guys have seen everything everywhere all at once, you know, my because my thought process is always, you know, if the multiverse, because even in, um, you know, like what if, for example, if you're going to another universe, it, it's always like just slightly different than the one. It's like the odds are if you're going to another universe, it's going to be vastly different. And um, it's not going to be just like this one little tweet. I mean, yes, but the odds are it's going to be vastly different. Um, so I, I feel like the same applies with like the Marvel universe as a whole from all of these different planets and quirky things that we get. Like this stuff is vast and infinite. And sometimes there's planets that just sing. And sometimes there are like demons. It, it's, you know, it's kind of crazy, but it does like give life to the universe a little bit more. And it's something I would like to see more of. And like, I, I don't know, I don't know how much it would work, but like, it, it was just so funny, like getting those moments. Uh, you know, I joked at the beginning about like uh, the comment that he, he was bilingual because he could understand the normal voice. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and and all, obviously the Grizz stuff, all this stuff was great. Like it was very silly, very, very silly. But like I said, this is exactly what I needed for Marvel. Yeah. Nice yeah, little palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. For sure um okay well what else what else are we i mean there's two like big scenes that we could talk about here at the end but is there any other like minor scene or something we didn't touch on y'all want to talk about i don't know I just... i'm like very focused on those last two but it sounds like katie has something <laughs> well, i just wanted to throw out there too because i i don't know if i got to say it the way and appreciate it the way i want to but with nick fury too in this film his one-liners were some of the best parts of the movie and not and, and again, we didn't have those serious one-liners. They were hilarious one-liners. And the one I always go back to is when Kamala and Monica, they're falling from the sky. Monica's trying to save her, but she can't fly and also grab her at the same time. And then they use their powers and they shifted. And, you know, Carol comes to hit the ground. And there's just Nick going, oh, it's Carol Walgren. And it's just the way it was delivered. And it just, you just look, whatever. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was cackling in the theater. I found it hilarious. I just think him and Kamala's family, they were such good parts of this movie. Yeah. Uh, well said. And I know I know Taylor's chomping at the bit. So, um, I, oh, my God. I can't wait. I, I I can't wait for this this first one I'm going to talk about. It wasn't quite. It, it might as well have been a post credit scene, but it was it was part of the movie. Um, but anybody who listens to Star Wars for the past three years, I have been ringing this bell. I've been so ready for Young Avengers, and it seems like we are finally on the precipice. We get this very interesting scene where Kamala Khan kind of takes the the role of the Nick Fury in this situation, goes to Kate Bishop. This is also one of the points I laughed at a lot because even in the moment I was like I was like I mean she's not like young. And she was like, dude, I'm 23. Like, <laughs> so like, I thought this was, uh, it was a very funny moment. I, I really love the parallels. Um, and I love that Kamala can act as this Nick Fury type. So um, uh, Taylor, what did you think of her uh, recruiting Kate Bishop? Oh my gosh. When they showed that scene and you see the shadow of the bow, I honestly, I almost jumped out of my chair. I just started screaming, which I'm really sorry for whoever was sitting next to me. Like I so it was so aggressive, but I was so excited. It was such a great scene. I think, you know, something that we've talked about a lot, knowing that so many of these pieces were on the board. And then there's producers out here saying, oh, we have no plans for Young Avengers. And we we're like, all right, do you really think we're stupid? I mean, you've brought in like six of them. Like we're not morons. So it's just like a matter of time. Did I ever think in a million years it was going to be this film and that it was going to be Kamala Khan recruiting them? Absolutely not. So that part totally took me off guard in the best way. And I just was so excited. And then, you know, for her to name drop Cassie Legg, 
not an accident that the other quantum related being, you know, who's a kid was name dropped here now knowing what we know about Kamala's bangles. So I'm so excited to like explore more about the quantum realm, quantum bands and get those three ladies in a room together and start, you know, really working that stuff out. Um, I don't know how they're going to bring back Kid Loki, but I'm all ready for everybody to get the gang together and see all of them in action. It's going to be amazing. I just, that scene oh, made me so excited. I was like literally shaking. Oh man. I mean, Taylor knows and anybody who listened to our show during Hawkeye knows Kate Bishop very quickly went very high on my list of people I adore. And I just, I love Haley Steinfeld. So that helps. But I did jump out of my seat essentially. And I went full Rocky. I had my hands up. I'm like, that's my girl. As soon as I saw the bow as well, I knew. And I have to say, we talked about Kamala when we talked about like Young Avengers, I think after Quantumania, we did a whole episode dedicated to him. And she was kind of thrown in there because we were like, well, she's in the age range, but we're not really sure. I mean, she doesn't normally make the cut in, you know, the comics. So it was kind of a weird one-off. We threw her in there. I also went in with no expectations that this was going to happen. And I love that Kamala is the one doing it. I think she was a little more out of left field because she's not in the comics, a young Avengers. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, she met Nick Fury. It makes a lot of sense to me. She just fought with Captain Marvel. She makes sense. And I'd, I'd love to see her become like a de facto leader of the group because of it. I think it's a very fitting position for her. Yeah, I did, I did a post on our Instagram a while back where I basically took like everybody under the age of 25 and put them in a collage and was like, hey, pick your Young Avengers team because any of these people could could be it. Um, so, But but a big thing that, that was constantly coming up, if I can remember correctly from that post, was was probably like a year ago now. But people were commenting like, oh, well, Spider-Man is definitely going to be like the Nick Fury of this team. And it's not. And I think that's really awesome. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's... It's also like, you know, probably one of the younger, younger Avengers that, that are like, and it makes sense too, because like, she is a fan, right? Like she wants to, she wants to be involved. Like she's excited to be a superhero. So of course she wants to build a team. Like it makes so much sense to me. And yeah, it, it works. Let me, I, I do have, have a question for you guys because, uh, you know, Tommy and I have talked about this a lot about like, how do they do young Avengers? And first I want to touch on Taylor. You said that like, this was out of left field because they've been kind of like shooting it down. Love that. Because a lot of the times, you know, for instance, we know King dynasty is coming for example. So it's like, we're always going to be building towards that, but like not knowing that the young Avengers was like technically not confirmed to be a thing. Like it was a very surprising moment. So, but my question is to you guys, how do you want to see them tackle this? Do you want to see like a full-blown movie? But one thing we've been pitching a lot is a Young Avengers TV show. I think it would make a lot of sense, especially coming... A, a lot of these characters are coming from the TV shows. Um, uh, where do you guys stand on that? Go ahead, T. It looks like you're about to blow up. <laughs> oh, I actually... No, I really wanted you to go first so I could actually formulate a coherent thought. So oh, you go. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So I would... I think in the long run, I'd like to see a movie done just because that's nostalgia for me because of the Avengers movies and everything. I, I would love a TV show too, though. I think I could see both mediums working for this type of team, especially with them being young and just a totally different dynamic. But I know one thing I had been thinking about for a long time is maybe these guys don't even happen until phase seven. And they're maybe the Avengers of that phase. And that's something that I've been kind of talking about. I mean, Keep in mind, well, 
listen, the slate is all over the place. I can't say anything definitively anymore. But at the time when this was something we were throwing out there, you know, we were almost halfway through phase five already, moving into six, where we had two big movies coming. And it feels like a weird place to have these guys come together when you have a bigger group, a, a grown-up group, if you will, of Avengers that still we think will be formed with Sam Wilson, Shang-Chi, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I think, like to see a movie and maybe have them be the leads of phase seven through nine. That could be pretty cool to me. I think for me, it's tough because I don't think that they're going to be the next like big Avengers. Um, but I do think what I keep coming back to is the change in how they're going to be doing the TV shows. You know, we've seen it, how they're like redoing Daredevil Born Again. It's going to be more series. It's going to be longer, you know, more episodes, things like that. And more kind of traditional TV than these like six episode short series or whatever you want to call them i could actually see them having their own kind of like what agents of shield was in the first half of its first season kind of like an episodic like i don't want to say villain of a week but kind of that vibe because they are so young and they are still growing and then you can do like big avenger cameos and things like that and you can bring them into bigger movies and, and stuff like that as well and i think too the one thing that i keep thinking about is one very glaring missing young Avenger who we haven't seen yet, which is Iron Lad. Yeah, Iron Lad, which is, of course, a variant of Kang. So, you know, knowing that Kang Dynasty is coming, like you mentioned, is that where we finally get the full team up because they are going to have a version of him. I mean, I truly believe we're going to have every version of Kang on the plate at that point. So that might be the place where we get the last one. And then from there, we're introduced to maybe a multi-season show from them that they could kind of be a little more lighthearted, but also kind of trading for the big leagues, you know, so they can get called up like Kamala was here whenever the big Avengers need them or they're busy or kind of like what Iron Man did to Spider-Man in uh, Homecoming. You take care of the little stuff. I'll take care of the big level stuff. And maybe that's how we kind of do it too. Okay. I, through your, your talking, I've kind of formulated, I, I formulated my theory. Okay. <laughs> so hear me out. Um, I, I'm not even going to give my opinion on it, but I, it's something I feel is going to happen. Kang Dynasty gone in the trash can dunk on Disney's part. I don't think they're doing it. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that I think Young Avengers will come first and then will that will lead into Secret Wars. And I think it makes a lot more sense because you gotta have a lot of like established heroes to have Secret Wars. So oh, yeah. um, with that being said, if you're dunking on on Kang, perfect opportunity to cast a younger person to come in as his variant and be Iron Lad. So I'm here for it. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I also just think long random tangent, but I don't think Kang Dynasty fits. Like if we're working towards secret wars, it's never made sense to have Kang Dynasty. It's like you're working towards two different end games. So I've never understood it. And, you know, I think everything that's going on, obviously, with Jonathan Majors is kind of the perfect excuse to maybe fix a narrative issue as well and just be like, all right, cool. Let's trash that because we're really supposed to be working towards this one thing and this other movie at least in the little that we knew about it, doesn't really make sense. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, I love validation, so thank you guys for hearing that out. Um, <laughs> we, we can move on to the actual post-credit scene if you guys are down, which was... Um, well, first and foremost, I want to say, I don't, I, I don't know... I, I, based on what y'all were saying, it doesn't sound like y'all fell into this, 
I was spoiled on the Kate Bishop thing. Um, but also I was like, it was like, it was a post like, uh, it was like Iron Man and Kate Bishop are, are, are going to be in, um, the Marvels. I was like, I was like, I don't really believe that. And then I saw <laughs> Kate Bishop. So the whole time I was like, okay, so the next one, there's going to be an Iron Man post credit scene. So, uh, I don't know how those two got let like, spoiled for me, but uh, yeah, it was very weird, but we do get another <laughs> reveal here after, um, Monica Rambeau is sucked into, um, another universe here. And this is where we get beast. Beast shows up and uh, he is he is hanging out with um, I guess is their universe's Captain Marvel. Um, so uh, this was something that really blew my mind. Uh, it's another thing that they've kind of been like, oh yeah, X Men, we'll deal with that in like a decade. You know, like they've really kind of pushed it off. But like I think we're finally on the precipice here. Um, I guess some quick thoughts before I throw it to you guys. Um, I thought it was a little weird that he's CGI now. I don't know why. Like, and and I I think that's my big question going into what um the next phase of x-men looks like is it uh, my i guess my theory at this point is um they're just gonna have whoever they want to fill those roles whether it's kelsey Grammer playing bees whether it's uh, you know um i forgot his name uh, charles xavier uh the one we know <laughs> uh, <laughs> but can they just kind of like pull whoever they want maybe they you know bring in sophie turner you know whoever they want to like build out this team i think that is a possibility but i am curious about what you, what this means to you guys um, I'm scattered brained about it to be honest. So I'll just shut up now. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, a lot to think I, about. Yeah, and I I think for me, I've reacted about three different times to that end credit scene because we had, you know, Maria show up and I was like, okay. And I my brain had a mild fart in that moment where I was like, is this 838? And then forgot 838 Maria no longer is on the board. And then, you know, we see Beast, and I was like, hold on. And I think my brain just couldn't accept it. So then when we saw the X on the door, that was when my brain finally was like, holy crap, we're doing this. Like, this is here. I'm watching this on the big screen right now. And it's kind of insane. I will say, I agree with you about Beast. Uh, now that you said that, I remember saying to Taylor, he reminded me a lot of Professor Hulk. And it's actually because of the CGI, now that you just said that. That's why he... I was like, it's like the same character. He's just blue and hairy. Like, I'm not really <laughs> sure what just happened there. But yeah, I I don't even know. This is one of those that I'm still processing that they just confirmed that. I honestly, I had to go alone because unfortunately my boyfriend had COVID and I called him in the car and I wasn't going to spoil it, but I'm just screaming the entire way home. I was like, you don't get it. Something big really happened at the end of this movie. Like, everybody's been waiting 30 years for this at this point we don't know what it means yet and i'm just i'm still in shock i'm not gonna lie yeah i'm thinking more logistically about it and i keep thinking about like what x-men is it right because technically and i haven't seen all the new version of the x-men with sophie turner and all of them i've seen all the originals with halle berry the ogs the amazing ogs but they're all, my understanding, if I remember correctly, they're all the same versions of one another, just at different points in time, right? So we can consider that one solid universe. That is also likely the universe that Deadpool 3 is going to take place in, which is now the only film of next year, which is a darn tragedy, but it's fine. And so I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about how this beast is not Nicholas Holt. And so this is a different universe now than Deadpool, which means we're now seeing two different potentially Wolverines because you've got Hugh Jackman in Deadpool 3. And does this open the door now 
for a recast to whoever's going to take the mantle. Because we all know, I mean, Hughes, as amazing as he is, he can't do this forever. I mean, the dude's like in his 50s and he's drafted for 50 something, but he can't do this for the next 10 years. And we need somebody who's going to be able to carry us for the next 10. I mean, let's think about it, probably 15 years. So that's where I'm thinking is like, all right, so now we're looking at multiple different other universes that we've been to. We've been to 838. We're going to see Deadpool's a different universe. Now this universe, there's a lot going on. And I'm also like, which one is the Secret Wars one? So, or you know. are they all Secret Wars one? Well, yeah, but you know, there's that like one big one at yeah, the end. Yeah, I just want to know where Miles Morales is. That's all I really care about. So <laughs> I'm just trying to figure Freaks. out where is Miles Morales? <laughs> <laughs> that's the point that's the point yeah <laughs> uh no yeah i mean i think again as as a rule person um this stuff really bothers me like i like <laughs> I, I hate i hate it just being nefarious and and i think a lot of like you know since in game basically a lot of things have been like that and i'm like well what does this really mean um, and then, like, a lot of times I'm like, okay, I'll be patient, I'll wait, I'll see them explain it. And, like, they still don't explain a lot of things, and it's still really confusing. So I, I really, they really need to stick the landing if they are doing, like, these multiple X-Men, which, you know, I'm fine with, especially if that means we continue to have Hugh Jackman in my life in some way. So, um, yeah, that, I guess that's my final thoughts on the X-Men. <laughs> um, what else? Anything else? Uh, I mean, I guess that's it. I yeah. just feel like everybody needs to go see this movie. Like, I know it didn't do well in the box office, and that's for many reasons. You know, you talked about some of the toxicity that happens, but also they didn't get to promote the movie until, like, literally 48 hours before it premiered officially. So there's a lot going on, but um, obviously everybody who's listening to this has seen it, hopefully. But definitely tell everybody to go see it. Everybody you know. I walked into work this today, and one of the first things I said was, everybody go see this movie. So... That's what I think everybody should do is just like evangelize this film and go see it and support it. Cause I don't think it deserves to be in the same ticketing conversation as the flash. Um, so make that not happen, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more on that one. And I do think you know, as we touched on, there were a lot of reasons why I think people weren't going to go see this. Listen, I went in with zero expectations for it because of, you know, captain marvel the first one and everything and yes i'm a marvel fan but i can admit when they don't do things well i'm not lying you know they did this well this was a good movie and i thoroughly enjoyed it i will probably go pay money pay for a second ticket because movie theaters are grossly overpriced right now and go see it again because it was that kind of movie and it's so enjoyable in the theater so everybody needs to go see it yeah, uh, really well said, guys. And uh, this was so much fun talking with y'all. Uh, before we close out, though, you know, I, I gave you guys the heads up. Um, we like to close the show with recommendations. To be honest, I'm going to let you guys go first because I podcasted last night and I already used my recommendation. So I'm really going to have to think of another one. Um, so who wants to go first? Go ahead, T. All right. So I'm going to go with a non-Marvel recommendation, and it's something that Caitlin and I are hyper fixated on right now. Um, we both recently discovered The Summer I Turned Pretty on Amazon Prime. I read the books in college and didn't really understand that there was a show until about three weeks ago. I've now watched it twice. Um, it is all over my timeline on every social media platform. So if you are into high school drama and love triangles and you still like to live in that realm sometimes, Highly, highly recommend that one. 
Yeah, I got her into that or back into that because I also stumbled upon it. And I was like, Taylor, you have to watch the show. I watched it all in 24 hours. And now here we are. Um, but that's the one I knew you were going to say. So I was like, okay, <laughs> crap, I have to think of my own. Um, I'm going to go with a book. It's not Marvel. It's a duology. Uh, it's called The Savage Song is the first one and The Dark Duet's the second one. It's kind of dystopian, deals with like monsters and stuff, but it's actually real. It's one of those that's just so well written and sucks you in. Um, and also if you like two different protagonists kind of reading and every other chapter I do personally, uh, it's just a really good duology. So definitely check it out if you're into reading some good books. Oh, I was muted. Sorry. Um, but I, I have, uh, I did some thinking while y'all were talking. I think I have my recommendation. Um, it's a game. It's a game you can play on your browser. It's free. Um, I am a big fan of the board game risk. Okay. I've always, I've always loved it. Uh, my friends in high school would get together around the kitchen table and scream at each other till the early <laughs> hours of the morning playing that game. Um, but I've recently discovered this website called warzone.com. Um, and it is like a community of risk players. And like, I kind of am like, you know, I I'm, I'm playing during work. I hope my boss isn't listening, you know, like I'm really obsessed with it. You know, they have a lot of different maps. They also have a lot of different twists on the game. You can create your own games and play with AI or you can play online with real people. Um, so I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know how many risk fans there are listening, but uh, uh, warzone.com, check it out. And uh, if you have an office job, it will consume all of your work. <laughs> so I should avoid it is what I'm hearing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um all right guys well this was such a blast um thank you guys so much for doing this um i definitely want to do something like this again but first and foremost i want to give you guys the chance to tell people where they can find your podcast or anything else you want to plug kate you're kate? the social girl you go first oh, cool. <laughs> okay i didn't know if you wanted to say your usual spiel or not uh but yeah you guys can find us on twitter or x whatever you prefer to call it at this point in time at Sysassembled Pod or Instagram and threads at Sisters Assembled. You can also go onto our WordPress site, which is sistersassembled.com. That's pretty much our home base. So if you're looking to find the podcast or the blog, anything, you'll find it all right there. And then if you're looking directly for the podcast in your podcatcher of choice, just look up Sisters Assembled and we should pop right up. We're on pretty much every major platform. So we're there and we're ready for your ears. Lovely. Um, again, thank you guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close this out. I'd like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. Also, please subscribe because we're going to be here every single week with coverage. Actually, I say that now. Um, we're going to have to do some filler episodes here because uh, I, I think we're on a little TV show break. So um, just you know, subscribe and you'll see what we're up to. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Pod. And we also have a Discord community going on. So if that's something you're interested in, you can hit us up and we will get you in there. There. But that is all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.